Well, hi there. Welcome to episode 312 of the Brian Oaks Show here in the Smart Start MN Studios, recording down in, I don't know, a couple days ago, it was 85 degrees. Now, tomorrow, they're saying snow again and a high of 34. But right now, it's raining. And this song reminds me of the rain as much as any other. I'm telling you right now, The Cult, 1985, Ian Asbury. I am not a gay man, but if I were to be a gay man, it would have been for Ian Asbury of the cult, man. I, he inspired me to grow my hair long. He wore the huge, blousy pirate shirts and the headbands and the... We've all had our heroes and our idols, right? People that we emulate. But if yeah. there was ever anybody I wanted to be, it was Ian Asbury of the cult in the early to mid-1980s. And although I got close, sadly, that would never quite transpire. My name is Brian Oak. Thanks for tuning in to the Brian Oak Show podcast. That's Sean Bernard right there. Hello, Sean. How are you? I'm wet. How about you? Well, I meant like wet from the rain. This is a family show. I'm oh, sorry. Anyway, <laughs> uh, no, I, so I am a little bit from that, and the rain is coming down out there. <laughs> I got to be honest, I uh, am a little rattled right now because I, you know, this happens to me more and more as I get older, but I inadvertently fell asleep. I laid down next to my cat, Jackson, <laughs> who's wonderful, and it's a gray, rainy, crappy Thursday, and I'm like, yep. ah, and boom, I was gone. Hadn't set an alarm, nothing. I was actually... A, a miracle that I'm not still sleeping right now, but the reason that that's not happening is the alarms went off. The air raid sirens, I guess it's not the 50s anymore, we don't call them that, the tornado sirens, severe weather alert, whatever. it started screaming all around me, and I woke up out of a completely deep sleep, and I'm like, oh my God, what is happening right now? I'm like, oh, first Wednesday of the month, I'm like, and as I laid there, like, pulling it online, I'm like, no, you got a podcast to get at. Also, Brian, it's not Wednesday, and it's certainly not the first Wednesday of the month, this is April 20th, bro. <laughs> but I hadn't done any of that beforehand, and I freaked the shit out. I'm like, all right, well, either nuclear annihilation, alien attack, tornado bomb, or whatever they call the cyclone bomb, bomb cyclone, whatever they call I assumed that something terrible was happening, and then luckily today's guest talked me off the ledge and explained to me this is just a regular test, just not done in a regular time, so we're all going to be fine. How are you, Sean? I'm doing fine. I yelled at the... Siren. Okay, we get it, because it was like, it was one of those that went on for like a minute and a half, I yeah, swear. It's a test. Yeah. Got to make sure they work. In the, event, in the event of a bomb cyclone, alien attack, or nuclear destruction, we need to know. So I'm glad they tested it. I just wasn't ready for it. And But if it had not gone off, so in a way I'm thankful, I would still be blissfully sleeping right now, and you two would be sitting here looking at each other. Let's go ahead and Dean, uh, Dean Vaccaro was our guest today. and Vaccaro. Dean, what did I say, Vaccaro? Yeah. Vaccaro. Dean Vaccaro is our <laughs> guest today. Vaccaro. Dean Vaccaro is our guest today. He's been on before, and there are only a handful of people that I am sort of in awe of their level of knowledge of music, their experience in music, and we'll talk more about that in a minute. Before we get to Dean, though, I do want to thank Smart Start MN. They are Minnesota's original ignition interlock company. Without them, you're not getting back in your car. You are in Minnesota anyway. Once you have a DWI, DUI, whatever you want to call it, especially on 420 Bros, because it can happen there as well, you got to be cool, all right? Like I said this on the air this morning on the radio station. 420 is fine to celebrate. It's legal now in Minnesota, but don't be an idiot. Just like with booze or anything else, don't give it to kids. Don't do it before you drive. Don't do it while you're working. Just, and then later on, I mean, because that's what 420 is all about, man. 420 is about being chill and being cool. Driving under the influence is not cool, and if you get popped, you're going to lose your license, but you can get back in your car thanks to Smart Start MN. Yeah, and they uh, did a partnership with us, which means you can save extra money if you go to smartstartmn.com slash the Brian Oak Show. That'll get you 20% off the installation of the ignition interlock doohickey. And it is quite a doohickey as well. They put a real doohickey in your car, but it's a doohickey to get you back on the road. You can find out more. Smartstartmn.com slash Brian Oak Show. The Brian Oak Show. The. The. Yes. Now, does that mean the show or the Brian Oak show? The Brian Oak. Pause. Show. Ouch, that's painful. Also, I want to thank Moxie Wealth Management. Uh, they are our most recent supporter and um, sponsor. And what do they do? They take a comprehensive uh, approach to wealth management. And now, I think a lot of people underestimate who they are and what they have and how they're doing and think, well, I don't have wealth to manage. Everybody does. If you have resources, you have a home, you have insurance, you have almost anything, it's at least worth having them take a look and find out what they can do for you in your future. Because those of us who are of a certain age are going to have to start thinking about that future 
before the future even gets here. I wonder, you know, where he really came up with the name because Moxie's kind of that term that your parents would say to people my about... Parents, maybe my great-great... Hey, kid, you got Moxie. Like, <laughs> that's I mean, what I mean. Like, that's, it's a, well, yeah. and with wealth, it's like, boy, that guy really shows a lot of Moxie. Yeah. Look at that. <laughs> that that kid's got Moxie. He's, He's going got places. Moxie, see? Yeah, exactly. Or Madcap. <laughs> Really a madcap sense of humor. That the, the bee's knees wealth management. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> Go to moxiewealthmanagement.com. They have a sense of humor. They'll also help you get all your stuff done. And I was literally just talking to somebody, a uh, real estate client and friend, about uh, the tax bennies of real estate. And so Moxie has all the people under one roof that can help you at moxywealthmanagement.com. For the people who listen to this show on the regular and like, God, there's so much jibber-jabber. I wish there was more <laughs> music. Well, there is a lot of jibber-jabber, but that's because it's something I like to do, and it's my show, so go fuck yourself. Um, <laughs> but every once in a while, I like to have somebody on who is a music head, and I can think of, I'm sure there are zillions more out there, but there are three music heads locally who I sort of live in awe of, people who know so much more about music than I'm ever going to know. And whenever we get a chance to have one of them in it's amazing i want to say a quick hello before we get into our first song here to dean vaccaro hi brian hi dean how are you i'm good i've always said vaccaro because all i ever knew before i ever met you was brenda vaccaro who you swear you're not related to. did she sh- did she bring great shame on your family <laughs> no no but uh i i did look into it at one point did you uh, yeah and not related at all no relation you did you ask the people at 23 and me <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because I don't believe you. I feel like, like I, I mean, that's not an ultra common last name. It's not it, an uncommon last name. It's but, very common in Italy, is and it? it's and I mean, you look in the phone book in New Jersey, and there's a lot more there than are. there are a lot more than there are on Minneapolis phone. Books. And you're telling me they're not all related. They don't go back to great 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 grandpa Vicaro. Vicaro, listen, I, I, we can get into it. I've, I've done I've done my genealogy. I've worked on my genealogy know. for twenty years. No, I, and that's actually one of my favorite things. <laughs> Following you on social media, your love of your family's history, and the fact that you have access to these amazing archives of black and white photos, the amount you share about your extended family, is pretty incredible, man. Most of us don't have that kind of link that far back in the past. Yeah, I I kind of ended up being a repository for family photos. I yeah. don't know how. I I think it's because I. I was happy you with gave a shit. Well, you know, and the other thing is, is, is I was st- starting to scan them and, and post them. So I wasn't the only one seeing them. The rest of the family could see them and have them that way. So then, you know, I started uh, uh, getting family, other family photos from other family members. Right. Saying, well, let me scan these, give them back to you. That's yeah. great. And then everybody can have them. So they just ended up, I just started collecting them. And then once I had them scanned and people had the scans, then they didn't even want the photos anymore. So I end up, I have boxes and boxes of these from distant family members you know my mother has all of that for our entire family and and, and about once every eight times i go home i'll start digging through them you know because i'm not always in the mood but every once i'm like oh my god oh my god oh and it goes back further than i would ever guess and i need someone more diligent and more intelligent than me to take care of that for our family I'm not good at it. You are, you are, as we've talked about before, you are one of the music heads in town who I love the fact that you collect vinyl. I love the fact that you've been DJing for almost as long or maybe longer than you've been an adult. This matters to you. And you can tell, man, like true believers, I'm not talking about zealots, right? Because people who are zealots are a pain in the ass. Nobody likes to sit down and talk with those people about anything, whether it's food or music or religion or whatever it might be. But you are a true believer. And it's hard not to get infected by the attitude and the opinions of true believers. You've always loved music. When's the first time you DJed? When's the first time you were on the ones and twos? You're like, mm-ch-ch-ch-ch. Uh, it was at a club called Graffiti's, which is where we're here to talk about today. Which, you know, we're going to talk about the club Graffiti's, which yeah. is obviously no longer around. But I mean, the very first time you sat down behind the ones and twos was at a downtown Minneapolis nightclub. Yeah, I was hired to do lights and run video, actually, yeah. which is... I think we've talked about it before. It's sort of the bar back to the bartender of right. of, of the DJ, the bear <clears throat> monkey, <laughs> right? So, right. Um, so I I probably you know, and then early in the evening I, they would you know kind of show me how to whatever, and I just I just picked up on it. You, you know, working side by side by these DJs that have been been there, and um, and uh, you know, and then early evening I'd I'd play a little bit, and then I don't remember exactly the first. I remember the the night that I started working. 
Yeah. But the first night that I actually DJed a whole night on my own, I, I don't remember when well, that was. Well, you've DJed so many times over the years, I would be surprised if you could remember like, actually night right. one. You've done it so many times. How long was Graffiti's around? Because that is what we are here to talk about right. today is the old. So tell me where Ground Zero is. Not where Ground Zero is. I know it's right across the river. Tell me where Graffiti's is and was and and when it started. It uh, Okay, so Graffiti's was a small uh, side room to what was a club called Sheiks at the at the time and this pre, was in pre strip club pre strip club Sheiks yeah. it was a disco before that it had been a restaurant um in the old farmers and mechanics bank um building downtown on 4th street and that yeah 4th street and that's a historical building yeah, and yeah. so uh so at the time Sheiks was a disco graffiti's was a little side room almost an afterthought and it was and because of that and because of the people that they hired there to DJ um it it automatically kind of took a little bit of an underground, you know, I don't want to say hipper, but yeah. where Sheik's was a little bit more R&B, you know, a little classier, Graffiti's got away with a lot more, a lot more underground and indie pop. And what year are we talking about This right is now? 1983. 1983. I didn't so, start right. there until 84, but right. I was going there as a patron. And, yeah, yeah. And, and this is, I was, you know, the drinking age back then was 19. Well, and, and so I was in college. But you know? in, in 1983, I mean, we're talking about a really incredible, I mean, era of music where right. the R and B scene, especially in this town, is hot, and it's hot all over the world. But it's being heavily influenced by things that are unfolding here. Right. But, but so is the indie pop scene, right? I mean, like it was all happening in 1983. Oh yeah, yeah. And there's, and, and it, I still have all the old top twenties and all the charts that we did back then. And you if you put look them at online them, all the time, you're right. I love them. Well, it's kind of funny. I mean, I saved them, and 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 people get a kick out of it, you know. And I certainly do because I recognize about half the names, right? I mean, like it's just a couple of years before I started being down there all the time. I, you know, not at graffiti. I've never actually set one foot in graffiti's. You, Sean? I don't think I did. I was trying to remember, and I don't think I I did because when did it close? Eighty eight. And see, I feel well, like then I didn't. I yeah. feel like First Avenue was too cool for me, like in 1984, 85. And so I don't think I even knew about graffitis at that point. But you hang on to these things. And what I love about them is there's an incredible combination, I guess, getting back to my point earlier. There was so much good music coming out of here that it became part of the fabric of what the soundtrack was in nightclubs in the Twin Cities Absolutely. at that time. Yeah. But obviously, it was also much bigger than that. It was European. It was international. It was national. It was all that. Thing, all that. So you start working there as light guy, video guy, and then suddenly there you are spinning on the wheels of steel. And that's where we're going to pick up the story. But we've gone too long. Did I just really say the wheels of steel? I think you did, yeah. I'm sorry, I'm sleepy, and I was woken up by sirens, okay? I apologize for that. What <laughs> not, I'd like you to do is... Not that kind of sirens. I, I, wa- I wanted... Uh, what I <laughs> what I specifically asked Dean to do was bring by a bunch of music so we could play more more talk and less... Or no, more rock and less talk. Tell me about this first song. Let's play a song. Well, let me, let me just backtrack for one second and sure. say, uh, when, when, when you wanted me to come on and talk about graffitis, I thought, well... Um, if we're going to do this, then I want to, I want to pick music that, that I'm not tired of, you know, the stuff that kind of gets, you know, there's a lot of eighties revi- mm-hmm. revival nights and I've done it for years. Graffiti's mm-hmm. revenge, you know, right. um, I did an eighties set at first Avenue for their 50th anniversary party. And I love that music, but I thought if we're going to come here and I'm going to pick five songs or four songs, um, it's not going to be the obvious stuff that I'm, you know, that, that, that we hear every day anyway. Great. Right. I, well, I mean, home of the hits is fine. There's a reason people do that, right? Well, it's because it has wide appeal. Right. But this is about learning. I want to know what kind of things to find, um, what you were doing back then. Right. So, th- so these are, so th- this first one is, is just, it's, it's just going a little bit deeper. Now at the time in 84, I think when this one came out or maybe it was earlier, maybe it was 83, um, it was this packed the floor. I mean, it packed the floor all the time. But you, but it's kind of forgotten about now. I mean, you you you'll probably recognize it. It rang but, a bell for me yeah, when we listened to yeah. it. But I mean, again, I probably have not heard it in thirty plus years. But this is an example of one that I would have loved to play it at First Avenue the other night. But I just didn't have time to work in some of the deeper stuff. Right. right. So here we go. This is uh, Din Da Da by George Krantz. Should we do two like go back to back and then back sell the next one? Is that or okay they be with too you? Do weird? They, do they sound good together? Sure. All right, let's do let's do two in a row. Here we go. Right on. I'm so I'm so I'm 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 so
Later knocking, you say. Is that how you pronounce it? <laughs> yeah. Is it later knocking? Yeah. Who's later knocking? Well, that's a good question. They had, uh, um, that was their big hit, but they had a lot of singles that we played that actually on the, the old graffiti's top 20s, you'll see quite a few songs on there. And, and I opted for this one for today, but Dean, um, if, if people like, so if, like when people are looking back and they get archival, right? I mean that this means that you, and I'm not trying to date you. But this means you've been a DJ in your life for at least 40 years, right? Uh, almost 40. Well, yeah. I, I mean, mean, close to 40 I got, years. I started at Graffiti's in fall of 84. So we're, oh, yeah, com- so we're coming up. We're coming third, up. Not third, there yet. Yeah, but yep. we're, we're very close. Yep. I mean, let's just say a multi-deca, a decade yeah. uh, Twin Cities DJ. Right. Dean Vaccarini, uh, who joins <laughs> us now. Vaccaro. Why can I not get that right? Vaccaro, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Very good. Bye. Look at that. We got there. Before we go any further about you and the history of graffitis, because I have a feeling that even in the, what, five, six, seven years you were there, it probably went through a pretty radical transformation, as did downtown, as did the Twin Cities at that time. Before we dive into that, though, I do want to check in with my friend Sean. Let's get sponsorship out of the way. Then we can just talk about rock and roll and cool old school downtown Minnesota, or Minneapolis, rather. Um, Sean is, in addition to a sort of... Local bon vivant. Some have called him a Twin Cities bad boy. Uh, producer of a high-powered podcast. He is also a real estate agent for 50th in France, or at the 50th in France location of Edina Realty. And today it's raining, so probably nobody wants to sell their house anymore, right? Everybody's given up today. Yeah. And people are just holding themselves by their window, just it, rocking back and forth. Exactly. Thinking about <laughs> the way it out. used to be. Remember when things were so much when simpler? When the sun was... Still our nearest star. Back when we thought we were going out on a Thursday night for five for one Long Islands at Graffiti's. But those days are in the rearview mirror right now, my good man. Uh, how are things going? They're going well. It is uh, it is getting busy, actually, which was a different term in the 80s. I think Dean will remember getting busy totally different back then. <laughs> Mr. Lee, get busy. Remember that one? <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, I don't. Exactly. I know exactly what you're talking about. Get, get, uh, get, get, get oh, busy. Get, 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 get busy. Get, get, yeah, oh, no, then I guess yeah, I do yeah, actually yeah. remember. Yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, so people are, they are buying and selling. Uh, I just watched a national news story this morning on CBS TV, and I was like, okay, we are a very different market than the rest of the country. Um, the rates have come down a little bit, which is nice, but they're still, people are like, well, they're not at the historical lows anymore. I'm like, well, those were historical lows. They're probably not going to be back there anytime soon. Right. Uh, but still probably better to own uh, than to rent in a lot of situations. Better have that money go into a long-term investment than it being a hundred percent interest when you give it to a landlord, somebody that has all of that money. If you know of somebody that's looking to buy or sell, 612-859-2594. I donate a portion of every buy and sell to a local musician or full band. What if someone says, no, there's a local sculptor that I would like to see this money go towards? They are the new Michelangelo, and this is who I want. Is that acceptable of to you? Of course. Yeah? Yep. Anything in the arts, I, I will definitely do. What about a local DJ? Fuck that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Dean Vaccaro is our guest right now. He's been a local DJ for a long time in many different areas, but I watch you post this old graffiti stuff all the time, and to me it's kind of as enjoyable as like when people post from that same era those First Avenue calendars they used to print right. up on 8x11 paper. Right. 
And in the course of 30 days, they would have 20 legendary bands coming through. But at the time, they were just bands coming through, right? And so when I watch you post these old things and I look at these songs, I try to imagine these dance nights because I was once young and irresponsible and was happy to get stupid drunk and get on the bus and go home later. And that was what a lot of these nights were like. Was it fun to be a DJ at Graffiti's? Oh, yeah. yeah. It was really fun. I'll bet. Yeah. It was fun. I, I had a, I mean... As a patron, I had a blast. Yeah. There. But as a DJ, I mean, oh, my God. Yeah, we had a good time. Yeah, well, I mean, so, like, what do you do? I mean, because if you're offering 25-cent Long Islands or whatever the case was, obviously, when you're trying to appeal, it's an 18-plus crowd, and you said... No, it's... it's Nine, it's drinking age was 19. Okay. Yeah. So right. it was just 19. 19 All right. So, but I mean, like, you know, so, okay, fine. 19. Yeah. Let's go mm-hmm. with that then. You got college <laughs> kids. You got people who are there to get hammered. You got people who are music heads. You got people who feel like dressing up and going out on a weeknight. You've got an interesting mix of people. Was it ever irritating to be a DJ? Like, I mean, like people coming up and be like, play violent fams. <laughs> like, I mean, like. Well, yeah, you- but we, but we already were playing violent fems. Well, I mean, exactly. so, you know, I mean, the people that were there were. We loved what we were doing, and yeah. it was a, this was the era too. If you think about it, where um, the, the the Cure was brand new, you know, oh, uh, Depeche Mode was brand new, Wild. New Order was brand new, you yeah, know, yeah, Blue yeah. Monday, and, mm. you know, and this was the stuff that I mean, everyone wanted the Smiths, you know, yep. um, and you know, it, all that stuff. It was it was that that whole new wave yeah. of music was happening right then, Wait, you which know? is amazing because you and Prince and you know, all yeah. That. All of those bands you bring up, up to and including Prince and many more, I talk about them frequently because people always want to talk about how, you know, I've been doing radio for almost as long as you've been a DJ. Mm -hmm. and Not quite, but almost. And um, without those bands that you just listed, making college radio what college radio became and doing what they did in the clubs, right, and then having this influence on American music... Alternative never pops in the early 90s, right? Like Nirvana doesn't happen without every one of those bands you're talking about happening before them. And then it happens, and suddenly the landscape of American radio changes radically. But it all starts at college radio and the clubs, like you were working there. Right. Did you feel it at the time? I mean, like, did it feel electric? Did yeah. Obviously, being out at a nightclub is cool, right? And being the DJ at a nightclub has got to be super fucking cool. But, I mean, do you feel like there's a thing happening here that hasn't happened before? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I felt it, again, at, when I was going there, dancing. And, yeah. and you know, I'd leave the dorm and, and go there with uh, my pals. And one of them, a guy that lived in my dorm, was, um, remember Derek Rasmussen? Um, maybe on, if I saw his face, I think he was, I think he was on, uh, uh, he did that ready, steady go show on, was it on, um, like, um, uh, channel six, it was like on KB, K- KBEM. Mm. Oh, okay. Oh, on the radio. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, yeah radio yeah, show on KBEM. So he did this show ready, steady go and uh-huh. he, and, and, uh, he would come to graffiti's with me and I'd be like, what's this? And he's like, oh, that's scritty, so scr- that's color box. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. Oh, what's this? What's this? It's scritty politi, you know? So, and then he would, then, then he would bring them home, bring home the records from the station and I would record them onto a cassette yeah yeah and then when i would dj parties i you know i had i'd use a cassette a lot oh, of times so go much back easier and forth at the dorm or you know <laughs> yeah. some house party sure, or whatever yeah, like yeah. that but so that was my i was getting my education on this new stuff what is this you know oh my god you know the cure I, you know and in fact not to go on too long about it but um it was my uh love of depeche mode oh, that yeah. actually got me hired there initially at graffiti because i was requesting depeche mode all the time and yeah. they needed they 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 uh they had just let somebody go that didn't work out that the yeah. management had hired right and then they um too many long islands and they knew i had good taste in music they knew they didn't i i wasn't a dj but they said if we um if we told the manager that 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 you were a dj that we wanted to hire would you would you want to work here i said uh yeah they just wanted somebody they could teach how to DJ that had a good, yeah. already had a good taste in music. Yeah, right? that's I mean, good. But that, that had to be a jaw dropper for you, right? Oh yeah, I was actually dancing on the dance floor. They were up in the DJ booth on the mezzanine. Yeah. And they were throwing napkins at me. Like, Throw, get over here. Yeah, really. Yeah, <laughs> that's they said so if, great. If, if, well, if, I mean, you know Kevin Cole, right? Mm-hmm. And so I, I was barely starting at Radio K. Radio K had just launched back in October of '93, so I am coming up on my 30th anniversary. And he called me out of nowhere, and I took the phone call, which I never did. And he's like, "You want to come and do radio?" for a living and I sort of laughed I'm like you got to be a showbiz type nobody gets to do radio for a living I mean that's bullshit that's a joke no one and I didn't call him back oh no and then two weeks later he called up and he was a little irritated I'm going to be honest if he hadn't called me back 
I don't know what I would be doing right now, but I doubt very much I'd be sitting in this room right now. So (laughs) there's happenstance, though, right? But I mean, but again, so you might have been in the right place at the right time. And this is something I've been accused of a lot in my career is like, well, you just got lucky. I'm like, yeah, but I put in the groundwork. All I ever did was listen to music. All I ever was was a sad little teenager with an asymmetrical haircut sitting in my room listening to records all day, every day. You have to put in the groundwork to be good at what you do. And, and, and I was lucky, I was right place at the right time and, and all that, but I also had the taste that that's what they, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, they knew that I, and that's what I, I like, and I was, work. and I was already there, like, you know, getting schooled by my friend that had the radio show and, right. and I'm there every night going, you know, wow, you know, loving this music and wanting to know more about it and wanting to buy it. And then t- Kevin ties into this story too, is because he was working at Northern Lights or Platters yeah. at the time and he uh-huh. was doing all the import ordering. So I'd go there and be like, you know what's this, you know, yeah. or, you know, and I'd be looking at his charts. And of course there's the graffiti's charts on the wall right next to him, you know, right, but, right, right. Um, but, uh, he was, he was bringing a lot of that music in. It wasn't like he could go on Spotify and, or go on iTunes and download it. Or, this, you know. this is one of my favorite points to ever bring up, not to interrupt you, but it was so grassroots back then. I try to remember back, even when I started radio, there was not an internet to refer to. There no. was not anything. So you read the magazines, you read the fanzines, you went to the record stores, you talked to all the other music heads. It was very, very much a communal grassroots effort, but it wasn't, <clears throat> at least in my experience, bitter or small or personal. People were into it, man. Like I, I remember going to Northern Lights once, and I was this stupid little snot-nosed teenage new waver from Coon Rapids, and they could have easily made fun of me and sent me home with some garbage. And I'm, and I don't even know. It could have been Kevin. It was somebody. It was right there still when it was still on Block E. And I'm like, what's what's good right now? And they walked me over and they said, this is the best record in this store right now. And it was Husker Du's Zen Arcade. And it mm. absolutely upset the apple cart, man. It totally yep. turned my shit on its head. I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready. And thank God that that person took pity on this young music, earnest music head from the northern suburbs. Because they could have put me on Tesco V and the Meat Man or some other bullshit. <laughs> and everything could have been different. So, no, I'm thankful for those kind of people in yeah. my life. No, that was a different era for sure. And that was as important as to be a DJ, that was that was just as important as the technical mixing skills or the anything oh, for else. Sure. I mean, you know, buying the music and finding the music and being the only person in town that maybe had this record or that record. You know, there, there wasn't like fifty copies of the new yeah. single came in. It was exactly. maybe two. You know, you know, of the new Smith single or something. You had to be there to get it. I bought, I bought Blue Monday on a whim one time. It came in and it looks like the old floppy disk right. with the color code on the side of it, and I'm like. I don't know. I mean, these guys used to be Joy Division or something. I guess it's yeah. supposed to be good. And I'm one of the people that helped make it the most successful selling 12-inch single of all time. Yeah. When you're working at Graffiti, so Graffiti's is downtown. It's really still sort of adjunct. It's still sort of a an attachment to Sheik's, which is the much bigger club at the time, right? It wasn't a ton bigger, but yeah, it's a, it was but, a bigger, but it was yeah. more popular. At yeah. some point, did that did that balance, did that, that scale start to shift at all? Oh, yeah. I would say... Uh, Graffiti's was more popular than than Sheik's even in the time I'm talking about. Right. I mean, Sheik's had good big weekends. They had big parties. Um, you know, you'd see guys from the time hanging out there. Yeah. And, you know, Vikings hanging out there. Mm-hmm. You know, whatever. That, that was going to be my right? question. Like, I mean, I feel like downtown has always been a pretty good melting pot. Was Graffiti's pretty white or was it pretty mixed? It's totally or, mixed. Was it really? Totally mixed. And that's another thing that, that uh, will uh, lead us into the next couple songs here right. is, is that... Uh, uh, that's another thing that kind of gets lost in the uh, in the '80s revival, or the you know, is that uh, we were doing a ton of R and B, a lot of well, think about music in the '80s. It, it was a real mix it of was. black and white yep. and everything else. And it, was it was funky as hell. Man. To me, yeah. Prince. When I first heard Prince, I was probably was probably '82 for me. I, I I was a little late to the party because mm-hmm. I was in Coon Rapids, right? I'm listening to April Wine on KQRS, right? right? But when Prince came along, I was already a deep new wave head. And I didn't have a lot of background in funk. It just wasn't part of my family. There weren't any records in the house. There weren't lots of radio stations playing a ton of cool funk. And I'm like, this guy is marrying funk and new wave Mm -hmm. in a way that no one has ever done before. There's never been another motherfucker like this ever. And it, I mean, it was, it was eye opening. And then to have that weird sort of misplaced pride, although it wasn't misplaced just at the time for me, it was of he's from here. Yeah. This is one of my guys. This this is a hometown guy right, right. here. It was amazing. Right, right. It, it was incredible to watch. So, so when you talk about the fact that, like, wow, I mean, black, white, everyone hanging out, getting down, dancing, some people dressed to the nines, other people showing up in their T-shirt and jeans. I mean, it must have been a pretty cool scene. Yeah, it was. And, and I'll also kind of add uh, 
again, sorry to go on about it, but graffiti is the concept. You talk as long as you uh, want to talk. The original idea of the club, I wasn't there yet at the time, but the owner, um, I don't know how, why, or what gave him this, this thing, but I guess he must have thought it was sort of trending, um, was the graffiti art and breakdancing and mm-hmm. hip-hop and this stuff that was going on in New York and, you know, this, you know. Are you that saying era. Beat Street, the king of the beat? Yeah, but bef- but even before that, I'm right, talking right, about, no. you know. I, I'm, early. I'm, yeah, re- real early. And um, so that was sort of the, the, the vision he had for this club. And uh, I think early on, I, I, I've seen old articles that I didn't even know this happened, but they had like a breakdancing contest there and stuff Go like on. that. But um, So anyway, this was a big, down. especially in the earlier part of the 80s, uh, uh it was, this was a big part of what the mm-hmm. music they were doing too and and um and uh they flew a uh they flew a graffiti artist in from New York he was a 16 or 17 year old kid uh to do the entire inside of the club so wow. it was like it was like a it was like a you know a, a side of a train basically is what the walls yeah, looked like in all there tagged up exactly and they uh um they flew him out again uh, in 85 i think and redid the whole place again mm. so you know just a refresh but um, when so, I when I go back and you know you see remember the old uh, what was it Style Wars or um, what was that movie uh, um, oh shoot I'm, uh, Electric Boogaloo Part Two yeah but before that the one with um, uh, so there was Beat Street there Wild, was Wild Bo- Style Wild Style remember that I don't know that I do remember Wild do you Style remember? check it out I actually, now I gotta see now I gotta it, see what it was check it out I actually a couple of years yeah. back maybe three. Well, about maybe about five years ago, they uh, the director they had a showing of that at the Walker, and the director did a Q and A after so It was really cool, wow. really fun. But it's kind of a classic in that genre. It sort of spurred that whole yeah, yeah. thing, right? And the people in the movie, acting in the movie, are r- really the you know the some of the te- you know people tagging. Uh, That's the, awesome. Well, that was kind of the cool part of Beat Street too. Is there were real hip hop yeah, crews yeah. in there? There, were I, there real might have been some overlap. But I just yeah, remember yeah. B- Beat Street was sort of like. A mainstream, a mainstream, a mainstream well, I think movie. Mario Peebles was in that or something. I mean, so they were crossing over. Oh, at that absolutely! Point. But it was the mainstream take on these indie, these indie films. That yeah, we, yeah. You know, let's get a couple of songs in because yeah, yeah, we yeah. got. We want to. This is what's going to evoke the memories more than anything else for people when they hear these songs. Right on. Here we go. Duck dominatrix. Duck dominatrix. Duck dominatrix. Dominatrix. That night, 
dominatrix.
It's interesting in today's modern interpretation of popular music how much hip-hop, R&B, beat-based stuff has infiltrated pop music. They've virtually become indistinguishable, right? Yeah. But back in the day, you had pretty distinct genres. It doesn't mean there couldn't be some crossover or some bleed-over, but, you know, the Gap Band is not getting played on popular radio today, right? But it was getting played at graffitis back in the day, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and and this song jumped out when I was looking for stuff to play. Not only do I love that song, and I'll yeah. play it any chance I get, <laughs> um, but recently I saw a uh, a little video interview with uh, Dave Grohl. I think it was oh. with Pharrell. Have you seen that? Clip? I haven't seen it yet. Um, but and Pharrell is talking. About, I think me. it's Pharrell um, talking about how what a great drummer Grohl is. He's like, dude, stop saying that, man. I'm I'm a mediocre drummer at best. He says. He says, I, I ripped it all off. He said, those those fills, those, it's Gap Band. Oh, I did see that. He said, yep, it's, yep, a, it's yep. a Gap Band. I have seen and, that and, as well. And then he said, uh, he, he ran into, um, I think it was Tony Thompson from Chic uh-huh. at, uh, at, a, at a party. And he says, uh, you know, man, I, I, I owe you a th- big thank you. I've been ripping you off for years. And he says, I know. <laughs> That's but A, cool on Grohl to admit Absolutely. it. And B, cool on the other people to be like, you know, I'm aware. But I mean, as a musician, right, I bet even as a DJ, you probably, you know, going out as often as you did and seeing other people do and comport the craft that you did. I mean, even within, even though you're not creating the actual music, but you're finding the way how you put it together, you found two songs that fit together like oh, a yeah. puzzle piece. I'm certain that you've had people bite your rhymes before. Oh, pro- probably. Yeah? Sure. The mixes? Or I, mean, the, yeah. you, I mean, if you want to call them oh, out yeah. right now, you can. I mean, there's if you a, want to create a list. There's, or... a, <laughs> <laughs> there's some that I did so often. They, they just were so perfect. Yeah. Um, but then it, then it got kind of old because I think it was expected, you know, that I was yeah. going to do those mixes, right? Yeah. But some of them were just were, were great. Well, oh, being, my God. Being a DJ is an actual art, right? Like, so I have never been a club DJ, but I've been asked to DJ certain events here and there. I think more for the music I pick as opposed to my prowess of actually beat mixing or right. doing anything like that. In fact, I just got called the other day, and I now have a DJ gig in less than two weeks, and I'm kind of shitting my pants because I haven't done it in a long time. <laughs> right. I have an incredible archive at home. I'm like, well, what do these people want to hear? I, so when you do it on the regular, how many nights a week were you DJing at Graffiti's? Uh, five nights. I mean, I was five working... Five nights? Wow. Well, I th- that was... That's uh, a job, man. Oh, yeah. Uh, five nights a week at Graffiti's and then went in 88, I went to Pacific Club and five nights there. A couple other nights here and there. I mean, maybe it was four nights a week at Pacific Club for a while. But yeah. anyway, ultimately, that was a full-time job. And then is Pacific and Club, then Rogue was the same thing. I was going to say, is Pacific Club the precursor to Rogue? Yep. Yeah. I spent a few nights at Rogue. Um, couple Pacific Club was upstairs. It wasn't the same space, okay. but it was in the Lumber Exchange. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. Because well, Rogue was a great place, man. Right. And I know we're here to talk about graffiti, so let's do that a little yeah. bit more. Before we'll do we, another show on Rogue. We can't. Oh, dear. No, I... <laughs> There are probably a non-disclosure agreement is what we're <laughs> going to be signing if we're going to do that. Um, but graffiti's, I was never inside. As Sean said, he never was either. But it's adjacent to Sheik's pre... So did Sheik's become a strip club while graffiti still existed? No, what happened was, and this is... Uh, so uh, it the, the club was sold. Uh, Sheik's and graffiti's was sold. Um, and they they um, changed the name. They repainted graffiti's. They tore it, knocked everything out. I, I was able to rescue some some things before you know, they went in the yeah. dumpster but but like all the sweet street art on the walls and everything all gone it all was painted gray wow. and um oh. they just and they uh we had a sweet neon logo that they just smashed with a broom and i was oh, like oh man like, why would you do that it was it was this it was this it was the kid of the new owner group or whatever who was yeah. just he just said go ahead and do what you want up there and then um and i stayed through the build out and then uh and then i walked out on opening night so yeah i'm done um, I didn't like where it was going, and um, and what year is that? Eighty eight, eighty eight, mid eighty eight, and then by the end of um, uh, well, within a couple of months, uh, they were closing Sheiks and turning it into a, the whole place into a strip club, and then I thought, mm. oh, that's why they didn't care what happened because they were it was going to be a strip club all along. Yeah, they were just it was, they were just you know do what you want to do yeah. for a couple of months uh-huh. there, you know. So uh, I was out before the strip club. All right, so you've been out. So Graffiti's comes to a, well, rather ignominious end, it sounds like. Nobody cared, or at least the new ownership group didn't give a shit. Right, it, and, it, 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 and it was it, it was still popular. I mean, it was still, you know, I mean, people were sad to see it go. Yeah, but, well, I mean, you among them and other yeah. people who had spent their la- the last half decade of their lives there. Right. Um, but that wasn't the end of the story for you in terms of DJing. You've been doing it ever right. since. Right, right. I mean, and where else? Where'd you go on to? Well, I, know, I, I went on from there uh, to Pacific Club. Yep. Actually, one of the DJs that I worked with at Graffiti's had already quit and moved to Pacific Club. So when I walked out of Graffiti's, he hired me over there. 
and uh, there, it was there for four years. And during that time, the the space we were all, Pacific Club was also paying rent on the space in the basement, which had previously previously been a club called Marshes, and then Club Casino. I don't remember that. Which, but when you <clears> walk <throat> up to the outside of the Lumber Exchange building, it does not look like a place that's going to house nightclubs, right? I mean, it right. looks it looks like it's probably got a couple of like delis on the main floor, <laughs> and then nothing but office buildings all the way up. Yeah, but it housed some of the coolest places to go at night throughout the '90s in Minnesota. Yeah, yeah, Pacific Club was was a pretty. Uh, it was a, it was a part of a chain out of Chicago, I think, um, and uh, it was a little cheesier than I liked. Yeah, um, but it was a gig and. Um, I feel like that's where I got good because I was able to tell the company line and get away with what I wanted to get away with. Yeah. And I figured out how to be able to do that. You right? had to know For where graffiti, to graffiti, we could do whatever the heck we wanted. Yeah. You know, yeah. but now all of a sudden I had to be smart. You know, you're talking to a guy who's worked in corporate radio for right. 30 years. I know precisely of which right. you speak right I, now. I feel like I, I learned how to DJ graffiti's and had a lot of fun doing it. I learned how to get good at Pacific Club. Right. And twice during the tenure at Pacific Club, I tried to open up that space in the basement, which was unused. Right. Um, at one time during when we had the Super Bowl here, I don't remember what year that was, 91 or something. Oh, no, the, way, way back. Like, yeah. Way back. Yeah. yeah. 90, 91 or 92. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah, I I kind of I said just run some beer lines down there and let's just paint it black and get you know just have extra registers going. Yeah, you know? yeah. it never happened ultimately. And then um, Pacific Club did a re- revamp, refresh. Uh, it was hurting at that point. By that time, Clamps I don't know if Clamps line was open yet, but you know obviously there was a lot of other stuff going on and right. it kind of pl- worn out its welcome. And uh, and so they got out of the lease of that basement space, um, and. Continued on as Pacific Club, and Rogue started building out the space down there. Long story short, Pacific Club up and closed, like, with no notice. And I walked right downstairs and said, I want to work down here. You know, I've been trying to open this space. Yeah. You know, they were still building out, and they said, all right, well, we can give you some. We already have a DJ from New York coming in, but we'll give you a couple nights. You can help build out the space, and we'll give you some work down there. And so I, I it became, you know the place I always wanted it to be, and I was a part of it from day one almost. Well, and it was a great place. Yeah. Like I, but at that point, my dancing days were in the rearview mirror, but my staying out too late and drinking days were not, so I spent plenty of nights right. in a row. Right. <laughs> and we'll talk about that another time. Dean Vaccaro is our guest, and we're talking about graffitis. Didn't last long. Now, if people ever want to see your stuff, like if they were like, well, what do you mean, like, you know, graffiti's revenge or any of that kind of stuff, how would people ever find any of that information? Uh, well, you could, on, on Facebook, I have a Graffiti's Revenge page, which kind of just sort of grew organically because there's a lot of people that love talking about it. Oh, old employees and, you know, yeah, yeah. whatever. And so I post the charts there. I post some old photos when I can find them and, and stuff like that. It's, just, it's cool to me because that reminds me of the days when I first started in college radio or when, um, you know, even very first in commercial radio, people would still send out their top 20, their top 40, their top, these are the songs that are hot this week. And I remember my very first gig as a music director in college radio in 1986 down in Winona, I would have to come up with that list and I would right. type it out on a typewriter just like you guys did. And so right. when you see that old type font and you see all that yeah. pre-computers and oh, just yeah, it was- nothing love and also you can tell looking at some of them you're like there's no way that song is more popular than this song except for the guy who's making this oh absolutely we would sit we would sit there and and just kind of you know we'd either write it up ourselves and then show it to the other guys or we'd work on it together you know just early in the evening and then would you send that to the trades or what would you well basically would we would just uh xerox it and and uh put a stack of put them at uh at platters and northern lights and whatever you know and that was and and that continued on a little bit into Pacific Club even. I didn't really do charts so much, but um, I continued to try to because by then I had a relationship with a lot of local label reps mm. and they loved, you know, uh, you know, I could, sh- they'd give me a box of records every week and I'd, you know, some of them would, I'd work into the set and if I could work them into my, my, my list, well, they loved that. Oh yeah, absolutely. Oh my God. Over yeah, right? all these years, have you collected enough records that you have to have a storage unit or you still have room for them? <clears throat> I should have a storage unit. Um, I don't. Uh, I'm um, actually thinking about it right yeah. now. And so that's why I asked, like, as I mentioned at the top of the show, which we do have to wrap up by the way, but as I mentioned at the top, there's only a handful of people who I know that love records and or music more than I do. One is my good friend, Rick Menk, whose band, The Velvet Crush, has just re-released or is about to re-release rather their seminal release, Teenage Symphonies to God. I work 
work with him. I see him a couple times a week. I sit there and listen to his stories, and I'm dazzled. I feel like a five-year-old sitting there cross-legged with my hand, my chin in my hands, looking up at him and listening to stories. Another one's Jake Root. Another one is our friend Dean Vaccaro right here. Dean, thank you very much for coming in, man. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. And we'll talk, we'll have you back more. I mean, like, your selections in music are always perfect, and um, we'll just, we should do this more often. We shouldn't wait so long between uh, seshes, if yeah. you will. yeah. And yeah, absolutely. It is, it is 420, so I got to go home and get that bong fired up. I got to get that raspberry lemonade inside there. And okay, don't have shots. <laughs> it's a joke. I, <laughs> I just don't. I mean, at this point, I don't understand why it's such a big deal. You know, I know it is what it is. It's 420, and everybody's got to be Have all you ever been experienced in the words of Jimi Hendrix? All right. I have. Also, the words of Jimi Hendrix. Before we go, one more thank you to Smart Start MN. Another thanks to Moxie Wealth Management. A thank you, Sean Bernard. Thank you. Thanks to our friends at Audio Equip. They're the ones who have filled this room with all sorts of audio equipment. That's a portmanteau, by the way, in the words of our French friends, where you put two words together to create a new word, audio quip. But make sure, because other people have tried to come in and camp on their campsite, the little red circle with the A in it that's got the little arrow on it, audio quip. If you need audio equipment, they're the ones to check out. And thanks to all our Patreon members and everybody else who's ever listened. Now, we're going to go back to back songs here. What do you got, Dean? I got one more thing I, I want to ask you. I've been wanting to ask you every time. Oh. <laughs> for that smart start? Oh, yeah. Can you get that for, like, my laptop? <laughs> So you now, don't. I need a so smart you start. Use my, it after you. Absolutely. Prior, I, I'm that's not a kid. great idea. No, no, no. Prior to quitting drinking, <laughs> the number of times I'd be like, "It's only one thirty. and then I would write a, a fifteen paragraph missive on the right. Facebook. They were so interesting. They were well interesting. It might be the wrong word, but there were so many. The idea of having an ignition <laughs> interlock or an internet interlock where you have to blow clean and cannot be drunk, otherwise you're not allowed on the internet. Such a great Dude, idea. See, yeah, I think seriously. you just gave away a multi-million dollar yes. idea right there. Like just right there on the computer, little thing right there. I just go. Like, and it Sorry. just shuts down. You're not allowed yeah, exactly. to post. You've been locked out for 12 hours. Exactly. A brilliant idea. Well, Smart Start, get on it. And we demand a percentage and a bigger percentage for our friend Dean Vaccaro. Dean, will have you back again soon, all right? Right on. Now, you're going to play. We're going to go out with two songs right here. You want to say anything about the uh, the last song before we go into Fine Young Cannibals? Uh, I think we did. We talked about it, didn't we? Oh, all right. Well, then let's just do Fine Young Cannibals. Fine Young Cannibals. Are we going to get to both of them here? Yeah. All right. Oh, we're going to play both of them. Mm -hmm. Well, all right. Right. Right on. Roll. Sounds good. I um
Joe Burgess is a registered representative and investment advisor representative of Securian Financial Services Incorporated. Securities and investment advisory services offered through Securian Financial Services uh, Incorporated. Member FINRA SIPC. North Star Resource Group is independently owned and operated. Moxie is affiliated with North Star Resource Group and is independently owned and operated. 2701 University Avenue Southeast, Minneapolis, Minnesota, 55414. 